This is a 980 CKNW podcast. And welcome back to The App Show. I am Graham Williams. I'm here with Christina Stoyanova. And joining us from Cologne, Germany, is Mike Egerbo. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, taking a few extra days on uh, vacation here, so uh, glad to be on the show again. So glad to have you here. We've got a really good show today. We're going to be talking to John Beeler about Flip, which is a, an app that does what? It's a shopping app. A shopping app. Very cool. And we've got some really cool news stories, and our Hot 5 is the Hot 5 video apps. A lot of people spend a lot of time watching video on their phones. I know I do. Uh, so we've got five really cool apps for you to try out. But to kick things off... Uh, we've got our top five news stories, uh, four news stories, pardon me. Um, and this first one's kind of a concerning one. Microsoft, following Google, uh, is shutting something down. They are shutting down their bookstore. You know what? I still haven't uh, gotten over when uh, Google got rid of their RSS reader. Google Reader. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I, uh, I'm still bruised over that. And now here we go again. We're, <laughs> we're getting rid of more things. Well, and this is the one that kind of gets me is Microsoft is shutting down their bookstore, but they're not just shutting it down. They're deleting any of the books that you own. This to me is well, crazy. Well, did you, did you ever really own them is uh, the question with uh, a lot of the eBooks, uh, including ones from Amazon Kindle and, uh, uh, and other uh, bookstores. So, uh, thankfully, uh, if you did purchase a, a book from uh, the Microsoft Store, they are going to give you a refund. But it does tell you, uh, you know, the state of the uh, the eBooks that you own. You're not really owning them uh, outright. I mean, you can't kind of give them away to your friends or family. It's kind of a, a life uh, that you have to, to actually use and, and read them. Well, and this we saw this first happen with Amazon. With you know, funnily enough, 1984. It was one of the first books where they actually had to make a revision to it. So they pulled it first and then resent it up to people. And I think the, the real concern there was you had it on your Amazon Kindle and it just disappeared. What about if you'd highlighted things? You know how you can do that on your, on your Kindle? Yeah, you can make so notes. Does, and, yeah, so does that just disappear? It's gone forever? I, I think if they do retract that license, to Mike's point, it is just a license to be able to basically enjoy or peruse this content. If they pull that license, all that stuff is gone, even if they give that back to you. Interesting stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the good thing about actually owning real books. Uh, you kind of own them in uh, perpetuity. I mean, if you want to uh, give them to a friend uh, or a family member, you can. If you just want to throw them away, you can. I mean, it's completely yours. And that's kind of the troubling uh, aspect of uh, a lot of the, the digital content now that we're buying, whether it be books, music, uh, or even uh, movies. Uh, we don't truly, truly own them. And uh, a concerning thing in the digital world. I mean, the upside to that is, despite the fact that we don't own them, I no longer have three IKEA bookshelves full of discs in my house. So it's a bit of a trade-off I think <laughs> I'm willing to make. <laughs> um, let's take a look at our next story here. We've got uh, something from WhatsApp. They're rolling out uh, WhatsApp for business to more people. This is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, WhatsApp, one of the biggest messaging uh, uh, apps uh, in the world, uh, especially uh, outside of uh, North America. Uh, obviously, uh, they want to make a, a bit more money. Their WhatsApp business uh, app, and this is kind of uh, for uh, you know larger companies that uh, will uh, allow businesses to send out notifications uh, uh, to their uh, employees, uh, and even things like boarding passes and uh, uh, receipts, and uh, also respond to uh, customer queries. So it'll be interesting to see how this uh, uh, all works from a, a business perspective, but. Uh, from what I understand, it's uh, now available in just a few countries, including uh, Brazil, Germany, Indonesia, India, Mexico, the UK, and the US. 
still have to find out when this will be coming out to Canada. And I, I think the interesting thing here is they're sort of following in the steps of WeChat, which is a famous Chinese messaging service slash social network. And, you know, some people are saying that this is the next generation of social media. We're getting away from social media platforms and more having things integrated into a messaging app. So WeChat's had a very similar feature where business, businesses can have identities on there and they can connect with their audiences this way. It's sort of a far more personal way of connecting with that audience. So it's sort of a proven thing for WeChat right now. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, WhatsApp can, uh, can make a go of it. Um, well, that's why, these com- that's why these companies like Facebook, you know, they've bought up WhatsApp uh, and uh, they have their own Facebook Messenger. They know that uh, those particular programs, users... Uh, are using them many, many times a day. So there's a lot more opportunity to get more information about uh, uh, the people that are using it and also obviously uh, uh, to serve up uh, advertising and get data on those people too. Exactly. Now, speaking of things that we use many times a day, uh, Spotify is about to roll out a new Duo subscription. Now, Christina, you listen to music on your phone. Are you using Spotify? I am using Spotify. And Mike, you're using Spotify? I I am, uh, but I, I have a family account, which, you know, for me is, the best deal out there. I mean, I, I have a wife and three kids, uh, so there's five of us. Uh, and the family account lets you actually have six separate accounts as long as all those people are, are living under the same address for just 15 bucks a month. You know, when you compare that to the uh, the single uh, sub- uh, subscription price of uh, $9.99 a month, uh, it's fantastic value. But, you know, not everyone obviously needs six accounts. So this is kind of uh, an interesting thing they're rolling out uh, have uh, you know like a two account package as well? And what's the price of this? This is twelve forty nine, um, is the current price. But the other thing about what they're saying is that part of the motivation behind this is because that six uh, six license account was becoming a bit of a headache for Spotify um, because a lot of people are not living under the same address. And so it was becoming a bit of a headache for them to manage all of that and try and wrangle everyone in. People would lie on the internet? I know, you're shocked. (laughs) So uh, the benefit of these things is uh, obviously both people get access to the Spotify catalog where you could absolutely tune into and listen to both the app show as a podcast and our sister show, Get Connected. What? That was shameless. Subtle? (laughs) Shameless. Um, so you're currently on, a, on a, an individual account. I'm on an individual, yeah. And so am I. But we don't live under the same roof, but we could scam the system with this should we want to. Well, I think that's why Spotify created this type of account specifically. Because they're feeling betrayed by so many people out there. Well, I mean, if you have six people who are all just friends sharing a, a Spotify account, a good way to minimize that is to introduce something like this. Now, I've, I've got to ask, did either of you listen to your Discover Weekly on April 1st? No, no, I don't. I don't even know what that is. Uh, so your Discover Weekly is it, it brings you to new music on Spotify. So I tuned in, and it gave me an insane array of music that I typically would not listen to. I think it was a bit of an April Fool's joke, and to be honest, I found a ton of new stuff that I really like. Yeah, on to the country tunes now. A little more Walter Austin act, straight up accordion all the way down. Oh, perfect. Love it. Not really, but (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was kind of interesting to have that sort of one day event because it changed the next day and I have no idea. They didn't really talk about it. I haven't heard people really talking about it, but uh, maybe I was the only one. I'm alarmed now because knowing you, you're probably going to take up playing the accordion in your spare time. You're not wrong. You know, they say that a gentleman is someone who knows how to play the accordion, but doesn't. So let's move on. You're on a roll. You're, you're on a roll today, Graham. Uh, <laughs> back to the du- it's a feature called Dual Mix. It's an auto-generated playlist 
similar to what you're saying about uh, the Discover uh, Weekly uh, or the Daily Mix playlist, but uh, this one is a playlist that you share with uh, your uh, uh, other Spotify uh, subscriber, uh, and it actually will uh, come up with uh, music playlists and songs that it thinks that you'll both enjoy based on uh, the history of uh, what you're listening to. And that's so interesting, because you can imagine people having very disparate music tastes and either finding that their mix really shows them that they should not be together as human beings or is like, you know what, this is this is the way forward for the both of us. I like that. Making relationship decisions based on music. Perfect. You know I, I think it's legitimate. I think I think it's something that can be done. Um, let's take a look at our last story here, which is uh, Google Duplex is rolling out to iOS and Android users. Mike, Google Duplex, what is it? Uh, this is interesting. Uh, so if you remember last year uh, at uh, one of their uh, Google events, the I.O. conference, uh, they had this uh, demo uh, and uh, they used the Google Assistant uh, to uh, book a table uh, at a restaurant uh, via phone. Uh, so, uh, you know, you told the Google Assistant, hey, I want a reservation uh, at, let's say, Cactus Club, uh, 7 o'clock Friday night. And uh, the Google Assistant would actually call the restaurant on your behalf and make the reservation, like with a human voice. It was like super spooky, and uh, you know a lot of people were freaked out about it. Uh, the feature only available uh, for Google Pixel phone owners, but now they are rolling this out uh, in the Google Assistant app for uh, iPhone and other Android uh, phone users. Well, I can't wait to test it out because I hate making those phone calls. I had to book a hair appointment today, and I just, I loathe doing it. The tragedy of the modern age. I can actually see this turning out where Google is going to start rolling out Duo for businesses as well. So your Duo will call their Duo, and no human beings have actually spoken to each other at any point in the transaction. Yeah, my assistant will talk to your assistant. They'll do we'll lunch. Get, we'll, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't yeah, have to participate. Really- Will they will they even be talking if they're talking digital digital? No, probably not. Uh, but it's it's kind of freaky. I, I feel kind of bad for businesses. Can you imagine being a small business owner like a hair salon and you're just getting all these stupid calls from Google, uh, you know, on behalf of uh, millennials that don't want to make the call themselves? You know, the thing is, I think that's actually a bit of a benefit because people can be so cranky on the phone when they want to book things that maybe this is the future. Maybe we avoid Skynet because we actually all start being nicer to each other. I, I don't know, like how how accurate could this thing be? Like if uh, if they just don't have any appointments, uh, or uh, you know they're trying to book into a, you know the following week. Like how much latitude does this thing really have, uh, you know, on your behalf? It's a a really good question, and we're going to find out. So coming up ahead, we've got an interview with John Beeler on Flip and our Hot Five video apps. Uh, Stay with us. This is the App Show. We'll be back after this. And you are back with the App Show. I am here with John Beeler, and he is a Canadian technology expert and a good friend of ours here at the show. Uh, John, you're talking about a new app today. Yes, this app is called Flip. Flip. I found this out from a friend who said, have you heard about this app? It's amazing. And I said, no, tell me more. (laughs) And basically what it does is it aggregates all of the paper flyers the digital versions of them that get delivered to everybody uh, across every possible imaginable uh, type of business. So the idea is that you create, uh, you, you, you can either use the web or you can actually download a dedicated app. Uh, I like the dedicated app a little bit nicer than the, the web interface on your phone. And you let it know your location. So you give it your postal code or you can let it know your location via the GPS on your phone. And then what it does is it presents a list to you of all the current merchants that it 
aggregates and you can sort of favorite them and then it creates a custom uh, set of flyers basically for you that you can browse and scroll. It does a couple things differently though than just simply aggregating all these flyers. It allows you to see them before they're even published. Oh, wow. So, you know, you get, you know, the night before they're actually going to be on your doorstep, uh, you can actually take a look at them. They're all completely searchable, which is crazy. Um, so you can go through a flyer, you can browse it, you can zoom it. it. It's a really nice experience on a phone for scrolling and zooming in just by pinching and zooming, and you can read the details. Some, Depending on the, the store, you can actually click on that, and it'll take you to the actual store itself, showing you the product page and all the details. Um, but what I like about it is you can actually browse. Say you're looking to go grocery shopping. Uh, you can go through your favorite grocery store's flyers, you literally just tap on each item and it puts a little digital uh, circling around it and it creates a shopping list for you. Oh, wow. And which is fantastic. Um, so then you have this list of things to don't forget to get when you're at the shopping store. And, but the thing I really like for it is whenever you want to buy something, you're like, I wonder if this is on sale somewhere. It actually has a search and it will search everything that it has access to. So it'll show you, in a flyer, you know, this week at Best Buy or whatever, um, it'll show you online, maybe Amazon's cheaper, that type of thing. And it gives you all of this stuff. And you are able to create um, a really quick lookup to see in your neighborhood or, you know, in your country, what's on sale. It's, it's kind of interesting. As you mentioned Best Buy, I actually worked for Best Buy going back almost a decade ago doing precisely this. I worked in the marketing department on their flyers. And you know, this was a, it was a huge ordeal. They constantly were, we were writing these flyers, editing them, updating them. Um, the interesting thing here is if this is a digital version of that flyer, you know, it used to be if there was a misprint, you would walk into the store with that flyer in hand and hopefully, knock on wood, if they hadn't printed a retraction yet, you would actually get it at that price. It sounds like being able to update these things on the fly. It's the end of the flyer misprint, which is absolutely kind of an interesting thing. Now, so I know for myself, I haven't had flyers in my inbox for years because I've got the little red dot on my uh, my mailbox. Do you, do you still get paper flyers? I do not. Uh, in my complex, I actually, we were given the option. I, I live in a townhouse complex. If you have a mailbox, you're going to get flyers. If you don't have a mailbox, because we have a communal mailbox for Canada Post, so that's how I chose to not have flyers come, because they just end up in the recycling bin anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I like about this app, is that it basically digitizes all that stuff, still gives you access to it all, makes it really easy for you to make a shopping list, uh, your own clipping list, things that you're interested in finding out. But I think the really powerful feature is simply just searching to see the something you want to buy uh, is on sale this week. Yeah. Um, and, and you you can... Um, you can, the other neat thing that it does too is if there's a coupon for that particular item, it'll actually present you the coupon. Um, and you can even plug in your loyalty card programs to it as well. So if you do buy something online, it's already pre-populated in that. So that's pretty powerful tool there. It seems like they've kind of addressed a lot of the issues that people have with I mean, digging through flyers isn't fun for anyone. You know, post-purchase regret, you bought something and did, was it cheaper somewhere else, having to price protect things? Uh, can you, and so you can set products on a watch list? Basically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you basically create a shopping list or a clipping list, and then you can basically do that. Um, I was tracking uh, like a, a headset for an Xbox uh, for the longest time, waiting for it to go on sale. And then when it did, I saw it right on the app, and it was perfect. So I was, went and went to that store and bought it physically, but you could easily buy it online as well, right from within this app. And that's I think that's how they make their money is they get these affiliate links through, through some of the online stuff. But they've done such a great job of sort of pulling it all together and presenting it in a really great way f- 
uh, really great experience for the mobile uh, space. Um, it's so much nicer than having all that black ink all over your hands. <laughs> so given the choice right now between shopping in-store or shopping online, have you got a preference? I do the bulk of my shopping online. Um, that there's some things though, like you, I still like walking down the aisles. Mm. I still like looking at stuff, touching stuff. You, you can't tell how cheaply something is made online. Uh, you're going on other people's reviews and everyone has a different level of uh, what that means. Right. Right. So I do still like to kick the tires in a store, yep. um, but uh, certainly shopping online is probably 95% of what I do. Fair enough. But being able to actually be in a brick and mortar store and touch things is still important. It's still important. Yeah. Fair enough. Excellent. All right. Well, that was the app flip and that's a flyer app that's available for both iOS and Android. Uh, yes. It's uh, flip with two P's.com. So you can just do it on a web, mm. uh, the website, or you can actually download the app from the various stores. Flip with two P's flip. Gotta, gotta really get it out there. Excellent. So, John, thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got more apps to talk about coming up next. This is the App Show. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the App Show. I'm Graham Williams here with Christina Stoyanova. And on the line, we've got Mike Agarbo in Cologne, Germany. Uh, to get started off here, we're going to do our Facebook tip of the week. But our Facebook tip, we're actually going to go to Instagram. Chris, I know you love your Instagram. I do love Instagram. Yeah. Even though I hate Facebook. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> That's how they get you, right? Uh, so Instagram, obviously, uh, probably one of the world's most famous image sharing apps. It's a great social community, and you can find tons of really cool content on there that pertains to a lot of your interests. Uh, one, of the, one of the ways to find that content is hashtags, right? These little uh, individual tags that are followed by the pound or hash sign. Um, if you're looking for more things that connect to the, the things that you want to do. Find a hashtag that you like on a post that you like and tap on that hashtag. It will bring up the option to follow that hashtag. So that's our tip right now is follow individual hashtags. By doing that, all of the things that are tagged with that hashtag will now pop up in your feed. Uh, I did this with cats of Instagram and now I do nothing but look at cats all day. And this is different from before how? Uh, it's just a little more curated. Oh, perfect. <laughs> All right, let's get on to our weekly app, Hot 5. The weekly app, Hot 5. And this week's Hot 5 is Hot 5 video apps. I mean, very famously when Steve Jobs launched the iPhone, he talked about the fact that it was a widescreen video player. People love to take video on the go, so if you're using uh, your phone for video, you may like one of these apps. So let's get cracking with the first one, uh, Chris Arcos. Arcos is actually one of the best video players for Android out there. The great thing about Arcos is that its interface not only looks cool, but is really easy to use. The app shows every video that's been stored on your external as well as internal storage, and you can access the video player um, from a server. Sorry, you can access videos on a server, a network-attached storage, and a computer. Really, really cool stuff. That's Arcos. Uh, Mike, up next we've got Infuse. Infuse has got to be uh, one of my favorite uh, iOS uh, video playing uh, apps. Uh, this thing is great, not only for iPhones, but it works on iPads, uh, Apple. It has the capability to play pretty well every video format uh, that you can throw, <clears throat> throw at it. Uh, also works uh, with AirPlay, has subtitle support, and you can stream videos from pretty well every network device you have in your home uh, or your uh, office. Uh, it can also uh, sync with uh, Track It, which allows you to track TVs and movies you're watching uh, so that you can basically uh, uh, you know, watch a uh, show and then pick it up uh, anywhere 
uh, on uh, uh, the Apple TV or iPad uh, where you uh, basically left off. Uh, again, uh, it's got uh, a free and a paid version. Uh, the paid version gives you support uh, and high-quality uh, HD audio and cloud streaming. Very, very cool stuff. So that was Infuse. Uh, for our number three Hot 5 video app, we've got Allcast. And so Allcast is something that's a little bit different than your average VLC video player because this is an app that will take all of your local content and send it to any and every smart device in your home. This thing specializes in connecting to all the different things. So you can stream and watch videos on your Roku player, uh, your Xbox, a Chromecast, an Android TV, and most smart TVs that have been released over the course of the last few years. The big one for Allcast is it is compatible with almost all the codecs out there. So if you've downloaded video off the internet, legally, of course, it will let you cast that video file from your phone or your tablet to all of these different devices. Uh, it's, a, it's a great little uh, app, and the free version gives you five minutes of video play to see if you like it, and then the paid version gives you unlimited video streaming. So up next, we've got Player Extreme. Chris. Player Extreme is one of the best hardware-accelerated media players for the iPad, and it supports almost any kind of media and audio format. This means that you don't have to convert any of your files um, to make them work with this player, and it also helps in organizing all your media on your Mac without any fuss and also comes with a new navigation search system to find any audio or video file quickly. This one lets you also password protect any of your media files, which is really cool so that other people can't access them. Excellent. A little bit of privacy on your phone. What a wonderful thing. Uh, so for our last app on our Hot 5 video apps, we've got VLC. VLC Mike. Uh, this is probably one of the most popular video players in the PC world, uh, and they also have uh, great versions of it uh, for Android uh, and even iOS. It's pretty well the pioneer of do and play everything. It's free, uh, supports every video uh, file type and codec you can uh, throw at it uh, and lets you add on more if you need uh, and also has tons of different uh, controls and options from the volume or brightness, subtitles, tracks, uh, or stream different audio files with video. It's perfect for uh, torrent users and uh, on top of that, uh, it'll also play network streams, network shares, drives, even your old DVD IS, uh, ISOs. Uh, and it's just as capable of the uh, the PC version. Plus, uh, VLC works with picture-in-picture -picture mode uh, on uh, Oreo or Android Pie as well. See, I, I love VLC. It's a great little app. You mentioned DVD files. I had a collection of about 900 DVDs where I still have the discs, but they're all in storage because I was able to rip all of them and I play them back with this app. Absolutely love it. So that was our weekly app, Hot 5, or Hot 5 video apps. We've got a lot more uh, great apps and great app stories coming up, so please stay with us. This is The App Show. We'll be back after this. Mike Agarbo here. I'm uh, actually in Germany and uh, I'm uh, traveling with uh, one of my good friends, a uh, respected tech journalist and uh, uh, pro photographer. His name is Ted Kritsonos from Toronto. Thanks for uh, joining me on this segment. Good to be with you, Mike. I uh, wanted to talk about uh, taking better pictures with uh, the camera built into your smartphone. I mean, we're here in Europe uh, this past uh, week and a half uh, because we were at the uh, the Huawei P30 Pro launch, which is probably one of the best cameras that I've seen in a long time uh, in uh, on the smartphone. But uh, let's talk about some general tips that you know anyone could uh, take advantage of uh, with their their camera smartphone. I think uh, you know a lot of people just kind of leave it on the auto setting uh, and 
kind of hope for the best. Yeah, they do. I, and, and it's a shame. And I also, one thing I also see a lot of people do is use a flash. And I know, but it's dark. Yeah. And, but the flashes on phones are horrible. And, you know, especially if you have a good night mode. Now, Huawei has a good night mode. Google Pixel 3, very good night mode. Um, what about the iPhones, though? They're not bad. The, the iPhone will only shoot decently well in low light if there is enough light for it to actually make a good photo. But if you're in a really dark scene, it's just not going to turn out very well. And in those particular situations, you might, especially if you're an iPhone user, you might want to rely or at least try a third-party app that gives you some manual controls. And what I mean by that is controlling shutter speed, ISO, exposure, things like that. If you can tinker with those settings, you can illuminate the scene a little bit more. But there's a caveat. The caveat is the lower you go or the slower you go on a shutter speed, the more sensitive the phone is to movement. So if you're going to shoot, like let's say you know you see a beautiful cityscape, you want to shoot it with your phone. The best thing to do if you don't have a tripod, if you have a tripod, great, just use that. But if you don't have a tripod, try and find a flat surface you can rest the phone on when you're shooting. And try not to move as much as, as possible. As steady as you think as you are, you're steady. not. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, the slower the shutter speed, you know, the, the, the steadier you have to be. Now, of course, in daylight or in, in more light, you don't have to worry about that uh, as much because, obviously, you have a lot of light to work with. But I, I, I think that if your phone, so if you have a Samsung Galaxy phone, let's say, or Huawei or some phone that has more than just auto, I think it is worth experimenting with the different options that the phone offers. So let's talk about uh, the shutter speed. Like what, sure. what are people looking for there? So shutter speed basically is, uh, is how quickly the sensor is exposed to the light that is in the scene, right? So um, the higher you go, uh, the faster it is. The, slower, the lower you go, the slower it is. So obviously if you're shooting in low light, you want... You want that shutter to be open as much as possible. So slow. Yeah, so that the, the sensor can, can take in as much light as possible, right? Now, I don't want to get too into the weeds here because obviously aperture matters as well. Aperture is how big the hole is in the lens, behind the lens, leading to the sensor. But anyway, that that being said, if you're going to shoot with a slower slower shutter, you have to, you know, especially, I'm talking really slow, like, you know, lower than like one thirtieth. Uh, of a second, you're probably going to want to rest it on a flat surface or use a tripod or something like that. Otherwise, uh, you'll end up with a slightly blurry shot. Something will be out of focus. Um, and I think people find that happens a lot when they try to use a night mode that might be built into certain phones. And it just doesn't turn out very well. Well, you know why. Uh, ISO, how does that affect things? ISO is just sensitivity to light. So it's like, it, it's not the same as shutter because the shutter refers to basically how long the sensor is exposed to the light. ISO refers to uh, the sensitivity of the light generally in the scene. So the same, it's kind of the same thing. Like if you go lower on ISO, um, the sensitivity is lower. Um, if you go higher, the sensitivity is higher. And what the problem with ISO is that if you go too high, you get what's called noise. Noise is that like grainy type of stuff that you see in a in a photo, especially in skies, like night skies have a lot of that. So you'll you'll get a lot of that, and that's why you're trying to find the right combination of shutter and ISO uh, to try and get a shot that is at least not very noisy. 
and don't use a flash if you're shooting at night. I'm sorry, I, I know I'm harping on that, but 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 if you're shooting a if you're shooting a cityscape and you're using a flash, that flash is going to do nothing for you. But what about people? Well, I mean, I look good in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the problem with using a flash to shoot people, I, I get in some cases it's the only option you have, right? You're just not going to be able to illuminate them. I can understand in that situation when you don't have another option. But when you have a phone that's capable of shooting at night, Pixel 3, obviously, Huawei P30, P20, um, Samsung even, you can get a pretty good shot in low, night, at low light as well. In those cases, you don't need to use the flash. But if your phone is simply not capable of shooting in low light to get to illuminate that person, to make them actually visible in the shot, then I understand it. But oftentimes the flash is really unnecessary to me. Well, I guess the big point here as well, it's a digital camera. So you can take as many pictures as you want nowadays, right? Sure. As, for as long as you have the memory. Uh, so it, I guess it's all about experimentation, really. Well, that's photography. I mean, you, you know, I don't know a photographer who gets the best shot the first time. I mean, oftentimes it takes a few shots to get the right shot, right? You know, the framing and, you know, the exposure, all, all sorts of things. You never, usually, rarely ever get it right the first time. But in this case, you know, just like a camera has a lot of settings and features, so do some phone cameras. And it's worth, like, if you're spending all that money and you have a very capable shooter in your hand, I think it's worth it to, you know, dive into those features and settings a little bit, learn them. And you'll, I think you'll find you'll get better photos as a result. We're talking with Ted Kritsonos, uh, tech journalist and photographer from Toronto. I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. When we come back from this break, uh, back to Graham and Christina in studio, giving the travel and fitness apps of the week. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the app show. We're just coming to the home stretch here. We've got a couple of cool new apps for you, uh, starting off with our travel app, Chris. Our travel app this week is Strut. This one is available on Apple devices only, and it's S-T-R-U-T. And this is actually a bit of a game that encourages you to explore the world around you. It basically turns the world into a bunch of tiles, and in order to unlock the tiles, you have to go to those places. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm a bit of a completionist when it comes to games. You're going to have a really hard time here, Graham. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. So the, these tiles, you, you unlock them, and what happens as you unlock these tiles? You're basically competing with all the other users in the world out there. That's tough. There's, yeah. You know, this, this is the ultimate pay-to-win game, really. You know, we've been complaining about people who, you know, throw 100 bucks at Donuts in the Simpsons game and whatnot, and now you have the ability to basically unlock all the tiles in the world as long as you have enough money to get there. And enough uh, patience, enough time, a lot of factors here, I think, Graham. I really envy the researchers who work at the uh, research posts in, in Antarctica. You know, there's places that I'm just not going to get to. Yeah, I, I mean, there are all obviously places like in the ocean as well. You're never going to get there. Not with that attitude. <laughs> I mean, I'll try. We both know this, but... <laughs> yeah. so, so Strut, and it's this gamified version of exploring the world. And so is there any sort of social community attached to this? Like, what, what does it look like? Yes, it basically tells you um, a little bit about your score and what other people are doing out there in the world. Okay. So you're playing for bragging rights here. Yeah, so give that a shot. Strut. Excellent. Uh, our game of the week is uh, is something that's new. It's in it's an early access, and it's called Elder Scrolls Blades. 
Uh, and this is from Bethesda Software. They very famously brought out a number of Elder Scrolls games. Uh, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim is pretty, it's out there for pretty much every system on the planet. If you've got a PlayStation, an Xbox, a Nintendo, a computer, or even a phone, uh, you can play this darn thing. It's also available in VR, which is neat. Uh, but Elder Scrolls Blades is this beautiful new version that's made specifically for mobile devices. And when I say it's an early access, it's actually an early access to the point where you have to install it and wait for your slot to become available to play it. I thought this was kind of a cool way of going about that. So basically, they're, they're trying to get as much information on how people are playing this before they actually open it up. Uh, the game is free, which is kind of cool, but there are going to be micro, microtransactions attached to it. Now, uh, we talked a little bit about the um, iOS Game Pass that's coming up, uh, Apple Arcade which is basically going to be getting rid of a lot of features like this. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how many games go forwards with microtransactions versus going ahead with the Apple Arcade format. Very, very cool stuff. Uh, but to, to leave you with one more, uh, we've got a weird app. Uh, Chris, you found this one. I, yeah, I couldn't resist this because I just think it's hilarious. This new alarm clock app is betting that you won't be able to sleep through the sound of a dog puking. Can you sleep through that, Graham? I, I can't. So I, I recently just got a brand new five-month-old toy poodle, which is probably the most masculine of hounds on the planet. Uh, he's basically the size of a football. Uh, and boy, have I looked at him sometimes. But uh, every time he's coughed or sneezed, you panic, right? You're like, this this little life I'm, I'm responsible for. So the sound of a puking dog, I would be, I would be dead worried about. Well, the point here is that uh, they understand that your brain adapts to sounds. So that's how a lot of us sleep through our alarms. And this has happened to all of us. We sleep through an alarm that's exceptionally loud and we don't know how we did it. It's just because your brain has adapted to that sound and has been able to block it out. So by adding these weird and wacky sounds to this alarm clock, they are betting that you're going to be able to get up a lot easier. So, so I'm looking at this list here. We have cat fight, dog barf, glass breaking. I've had that happen. I was, uh, I, I had my uh, washing it after I'd done the dishes and I'd stacked a glass bowl the wrong way and that, that crashed to the floor. I thought my house was being broken into. That's a great alarm clock. Uh, angry cat banging doors, dog licking. Uh, so lots of stuff going on here. Yes, you do have to pay for some of these. Fair enough. I wonder. So choose wisely. <laughs> is dog barf a premium price? That's so. I got a question for you. We were talking about Spotify Duo earlier. Do you know the most played Beatles song on the planet right now? I have no idea, Graham. Here comes the sun. Everybody's using that as their alarm clock. So it's actually the most played Beatles song out there. So that is the app show with a ton of great information for you this week. A big thank you to Mike Agarbo calling in from Cologne, Germany, uh, to Christina Stoyanova for joining me here in studio. I am Graham Williams, your host. Please join us next time uh, here on the app show. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify and follow our sister show, Get Connected, as a podcast. See you next time. This is the app show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.